how do you self-regulate through extreme situations and is that even possible? I think this is a common question that can, that can look at a few different ways and this might be something that you could actually relate to. So I wanna address this to help bring some clarity and maybe help you to identify some next steps on what you can do for your own self-regulation in uh, extreme situations. My name is Justin Sinceri. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist that thinks the world needs a new understanding of mental health. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This podcast is of course not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. This comes from, this is a question that I responded to during a recent Stuck Not Meetup, which is a time uh, at least once a month where my course members can can meet up and ask questions or share their wins or just get some uh, clarification on, on, on the, my courses. In this one, I answered a question about self-regulating through extreme situations. And we talk about the importance of anticipating these events, but also how we tend to wait until things are at their worst before asking for help or for asking for like, well, what do I do next? So how does someone who doesn't have self-regulation, who doesn't have co-regulation and is going into these situations where like with medical appointments, where it's um, fast and disconnected and potentially triggering, is that fair to say? They, yeah. What, how would, how would one combat that? That, how do they come? Well, it's, so it's basically, basically like a worst case scenario and like, what do I do or what do they do? Yeah. Right. Um, that's to me, that's like parents oftentimes will show up to a parenting group and they have, they don't have the parenting skills. They don't have patience. They've got their own stuff. They've dealt with, you know, traumas and whatnot. And they're like, well, my kid's hitting me and they swear at me and they won't go to school. What do I do? <laughs> so it's, it's hard to like, I, I don't, you're, right. you've, you've hit the bottom of the, like, we're way down here. And then now you want to dig yeah. your way out. And it's like, I'm of course you want that. Dreams. Yeah. So it's, of course you want the answer to that, but it's also, I don't know if there is a simple answer. We could, you could do things like, well, maybe something that's possible is to bring a co-regulator with you. Maybe there's someone who can be an advocate. Maybe there's someone who is close to you, not just you, I'm saying you in general. Maybe there's someone who's close to you that that can go with you and you know be uh, that person to speak up for you or to ask questions with along with you because they know you're going to be in a really triggered kind of state. Someone that can just check in with you, give you a hug afterwards. It, it might be something like that just to soften the blow. That, would that be could nice. be an avenue. Say it again. That would, that would be nice if it were available. If you have it. Exactly. And so it's like, well, what if I don't have that? Well, okay. Um, you, you could bring something with you that is uh, anchoring you in safety. But that means you have to practice this ahead of time. Maybe you have something that, like, if you know you're going to go to your doctor's appointment and you're going to have, like, a, a, a aggressive fight kind of energy within you, maybe you bring something you can squeeze to, like, you know, to, to release a bit of that energy you know, before the doctor comes in or even like while they're there, maybe you can have it in your pocket and you're just squeezing while you talk to them. Like I, we could throw out a whole bunch of maybe this and maybe that. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's all, but a lot of this what comes down to, I think is preparation. So let's say you have no self-regulation or almost no self-regulation and you have no co-regulator and stuff. Like what's, it's basically like, how do we soften the blow of what we're about to go through? So that requires us to prepare ahead of time. So that could be a fidget you bring with you, a sensory thing that just kind of lowers the amount of defensive state. Maybe afterwards you can't do that. You don't have access to anything. You don't know what you're, what is anchoring for you quite yet. So afterwards, maybe you do something that you, that just kind of helps to alleviate it. Maybe you scream into a pillow. Maybe you scream in your car. Maybe you do, uh, you know, rip something up 
maybe you release that energy in some way that's not ideal, but good enough, you know, to, to like recover, you know, so that we could throw out ideas for days and that they could be helpful, but ultimately it comes down to eventually building the capacity to self-regulate. I don't know if there's ever going to be like a doctor's visit that goes perfectly or that is not triggering, but maybe it'll be less so next time, or maybe, maybe you can pre prepare and, and instead of, if you know that I'm going to get thrown way off track and my questions, I'm not going to be able to like, you know, do this. Maybe you bring it ahead of time and, and you have it written down, you know, for the doctor or like this, this is what I want out of this meeting and I need to have this answered. And maybe you can ahead of time know that it's going to be difficult and they're going to be dismissive, but it's also okay for me to get, to be a little upset and to say like, no, I, I have to have an answer for this. This has to make sense to me, or I have to have this referral or whatever it is. But a lot of this just, it comes down to preparation. Um, and then eventually building the strength of the vagal break through uh, increasing through more and more anchoring and safety, but that would have to be done outside the context of those visits. Right. So we don't want to wait, you know, if, if we're you playing thrown into the fire before you decide. Ex exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you just started playing baseball and you don't know how to like swing a bat and hit a ball, and then all of a sudden you're out in front of thousands of people in a major league game. Uh, yeah, you're not ready for it. And it's, it's not going to go well. And it'll probably be a disaster. So can there you practice non-ideal situations out there? Oh, heck yeah. Hey, by the way, did you know that you could actually subscribe to this? All you got to do is whatever platform that you're on, just hit that uh, subscribe or follow button on YouTube. It's uh, a subscribe, I believe, or a bell or something like that. But basically, when you do that, that uh, ensures, especially on podcasts, that you'll get the next episode immediately. You won't have to go hunting for it or anything. It comes right to your uh, device and ready to be listened to. It also tells these platforms that this show is worth listening to, and it really helps me out and helps uh, new ears get to the podcast. Thank you ahead of time if you are subscribing or following. So can you practice in some capacity ahead of time? So the what I would say is the priority is, can you, well, first off, can you recognize these different states? And that's polyvagal 101, right? Okay, do you have the knowledge? Then can you apply that knowledge to your safety state in particular, and develop the capacity to anchor in safety more and more and more. And then maybe, and maybe that does, that's out of the context of even thinking about these triggering things, these contexts that are, that we know are triggering. So that might just be generally what helps me just to feel better, good, a sense of goodness or lighter or um, more connected to myself. It, there's different ways we can measure that. So what just kind of helps me feel good? What do I like? And can I spend more time doing that? but maybe a bit more mindfully. So if I know I like cooking, cool. Uh, can you now do that, but spend more time like really experiencing the, what it's like to cook? Can you really smell? Can you look at the um, colors and really take it in? Can you, you know, really feel what you're doing more mindfully? Maybe it's a bit more slower, maybe, but can you really experience what it's like to do the things that you like? So that's anchoring and safety and the mindfulness of it will help to build those pathways uh, and the, it, it'll build familiarity with what it feels like to be safe. So it builds more of a reference point. So can you just out of the context of this stuff altogether, can we do that? And then eventually can we maybe uh, do more specific planned anchoring 
around the context. So like before we even leave for the uh, doctor's appointment, can we do things that are anchoring then? I'm terrified of heights. It doesn't make sense for me to, I mean, yes, I want to anchor myself and ground myself during, you know, a panic attack, right? Because I'll, I'll, I'll go into a panic attack with, with them in a car up high. It sends me to a panic attack. Um, so yeah, I still want to try to anchor, but also can I do that before, you know, directly before there's a, a certain bridge that I'm uh, more triggered by? Can I do it, uh, do something even before, you know, 20 minutes before that? So like how far back can I go in the context, but still, you know, be around the context? an anchor, you know, in my car or like on the way to the thing or whatever. I think that's why anxious people research as much as they do. I mean, just speaking as, as the medical setting, as an example, mm. all of a sudden they become experts and <laughs> how everything works. Um, yeah. And it may or may not necessarily help in the moment, but, you know, as you said, to keep building that tolerance. Um, it's a long process. It's potentially a very long process. If you have a trauma that is more of a shock trauma, let's say uh, you're afraid of you got in a car accident and you're afraid of getting in cars. It's 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 it could happen where you do some sort of polar bear, you know, trauma releasing stuff, and you shake it and tremble it, and you know it comes out of your system and no no longer in that frozen state around cars. And so the next time you go to a car, maybe you're, it, it won't be nearly as triggering. You'll be like, oh, wow, I, I really like let it out. Like that could happen, I suppose. But with, with these types of things that are more long-term, you know, and it's not necessarily maybe a shock thing that you went through, not you, but generally you, um, like with me in Heights, there, I don't, I can't identify any specific thing that led me to be terrified of Heights. I've just, it's always kind of been there. Like something about being up high for me is more anxiety inducing than pleasurable <laughs> to say the least. So it's, um, it's something I've noticed that I've, I'm more mindful of and I'll challenge myself here and there to feel some of that defensive energy. Like I'll look over the balcony of like a two-story building, you know, and, and just to kind of feel it and I'll notice, oh, it's becoming more tolerable. And when I drive, bridges are less triggering, but I'm not gonna like, you know, bungee jump and scare the heck out of myself and like release whatever might be inside of me. That's not the way I'm gonna, I don't know if that would help. Yeah, but you know, it's like it's like I'm gradually, and I notice, like, oh, this used to be really kind of just you know just unsettling for me, and now I didn't even notice it. And maybe I'm even able to be more playful about going over the notice the absence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, but it's a long process that requires deliberate anchoring and mindfulness and practice. For and my example is pretty light compared to what a lot of people go through, but the basic idea is the same. Even even with. Uh... CPTSD and sexual trauma. That would be uh, a much, probably a much longer process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and more challenge, of course, and more difficult. Yeah. But so that's where I've had, I was on, a, I did some interview. No, it was a, a some show. It was like a radio show kind of thing. And I, I came on and they had callers and a woman was like, I have sexual trauma and, but I want to be more into it with my partner. How do I do that? But it's the same kind of question of my parent, my kids are throwing things at me and swearing and running out of the house. What do I do? And I'm like, well, okay, well, you're asking at the, like, you haven't done the, the steps required, like you haven't laid the foundation. There's no groundwork. There's, right, exactly. Yeah. 
So you're asking me, and again, we could throw a ton of ideas at you. But in that moment, it's going to be a lot more difficult to just plug in these things. That's what therapy, I think, does the more, especially the more cognitive um, or behavioral focused where they're like, well, just do this other thing. When you notice that you feel this way, just do this instead. Or if you notice these thoughts in your head, we'll replace it with some other thoughts. That's a great idea. It makes sense. But like in those moments, no, no. It, just, it doesn't seem to go anywhere. Flip it off like a switch. I don't. Right. Exactly. But that's what we'll just stop doing this and do that. <laughs> uh, hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I do have a nifty gifty for you, by the way. And this one is different than the previous one that I, I announced on my uh, last couple podcast episodes. This one is a challenge. Actually, it's a three day free challenge that comes to your email inbox every single day for three days. And that challenge is to recognize all of your polyvagal states in three days. And I do a brief lesson in each uh, email, followed by some very specific, very trigger-free, safe instructions on how to recognize each of your polyvagal states. And we break it up into three different days. Yes, this even includes your defensive states, but the point of of this is to recognize them, you know, not when they're like full-blown shut down or freeze, but to recognize them in different contexts to help you to, well, notice what they feel like, the what your different states feel like, but also to discern between tolerable and truly defensive, intolerable, truly dysregulated as well. So you'll get some uh, lessons and I'll teach you how to identify these different states and then challenge you to identify them each day. Not all six per day, primary mixed states, but uh, it's broken broken up into three different days. I, I break, I, I focus on different states per per these three days. This is something I created just for you, that person that is really into this polyvagal stuff or curious about it, and then asking, well, what does this have to do with me? This is for you. To be a part of this three day email challenge, head on over to justinlmft.com/slash-three-day-polyvagal. That's all one word. Three day polyvagal, justinlmft.com slash three day polyvagal. And I will, of course, have that link for you in the description of this episode. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening, uh, fellow Stucknut. I do hope you've gotten something out of this episode, and I can't wait to hear how the three day challenge goes for you. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.